Coming to you live from the March Madness headquarters. That's right, you don't want to challenge us to a game of horse because we're too good. It's Burgers and Brats with Braxton Poe and Matt Marks. I'm Jim Nance. I want to be Jim Nance. Nah, that's me. What, what's Clements? I guess I'm Ernie Johnson. Sure, we're all going to pick someone famous and we're going to be them. You can be Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Yeah. Basketball guru right there. I can yeah. see you even being Charles Barkley. <laughs> hey. hey, he's the funny one. There he goes, I like it. Alright, so hey, we've got a big show, a special show today, fellas, talking March Madness. A lot has gone on this weekend. I don't know if you've been watching the games as much as I have. Was, I, did that already start? It did. Oh. Are you missing out, bro? Dang. You're missing out. Oh, come on, Braxton. I have not left the TV for 72 hours. <laughs> okay, Quagmire. Not even to eat, not even to drink, not even to pee. That's big news. That is big news. There, there really hasn't been like any huge upsets, though. No, no it, huge it's upsets. everything that you wanted to happen has happened. <laughs> All those seeds that were supposed to win have won. It's been really boring, and yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, this has been the year for a perfect bracket. Exactly right. Mine's perfect, not really, but I close. Wish it was. I think it's we're all pretty close. It's not bad. Wrong. Thank you. Lots of upsets. Not really. All the 12 seats that won Murray State, Oregon, Liberty. A bunch of people picked them to win. So, I mean, not many what? upsets. Many, a lot of people picked Liberty. Everyone had Murray State, and everyone had Oregon to beat Wisconsin. I don't know about y'all, but that is going to be a pretty interesting one. Well, okay, so we we continue talking of these hypotheticals, but let's yeah. get down to business because there were a lot of upsets, all right? Mm -hmm. A lot of things happened. But so our brackets right now are all doing pretty well. I've got my Elite Eight teams doing well. Final Four is all good. I'm perfection. What about you guys? Perfect Final Four only lost two Sweet 16 teams. Perfect Final Four as well uh, lost one Elite Eight team. Oh. So a little bit rough, but we're going with it. So uh -oh. K State. Wow, y'all suck. Yeah, that I lost them for my Sweet 16 as well. That was big. A UC Irvine upsetting uh, number 13. UC Irvine upsetting number four K State. Um, kind of a big loss for the Big 12. I mean, they didn't have Dean Wade, so that was kind of a big loss already for them. But the Ant, the Ant Eaters, go Ant Eaters. Big win for them. Big win for their program. Might have actually been their first win. I think. I think it was their so, first win. Imagine being an Ant Eater. Well, hey, you just beat the Wildcats. Woo. I mean, that. Rather be a wildcat than an ant eater. Well, I guess I, not in the tournament, though. Yeah, not in the tournament. Not in the they, tournament. They, they I'd, rather live, I'd rather live in California <laughs> than Manhattan, Kansas. That's true. That is true. So, well, but a lot of things did happen. Um, so that upset happened. Oregon beat Wisconsin at 12-5. Liberty getting their first win in program history over Mississippi State. Those are some big games. The 12 over fives, pretty much demolishing five. If you're a five seed. You're kind of in bad luck coming into yeah, this tournament. Yeah, three of them lost, but it, it was it was a good day to be a 12 seed. Mm -hmm. It was a good good weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. So other things I got to come on here and tell you guys because you gave me a lot of flack about my pick of Yale over upsetting LSU. But I want to say, did you watch that game? Did you actually sit and watch that entire game? I mean, yeah, I watched the game, but like even with Yale, uh -huh. you know, coming back, you know, I understand that they didn't have a good three-point day, you know, but at the end of the day, like, it still seemed to me that LSU would win the game. It's because, I mean, let's be real here. It's the Ivy League versus the SEC. That's what I said last time. That's what I'm still going with this time. 
the level of competition is higher. I get that Yale is a good team. They played a close game, but everyone can play a close game every now and again. But I guarantee you, like, if they had faced off, you know, in the regular season, it would not have been that close. No, yeah, LSU would have ran away with it. But Matt, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. That is true. So it was, you know, it was an early uh, L for me on this game. But LSU had a 16-point lead at halftime. Yale turned it on and only lost the game by five. They got within four. That was the closest they got in the second half. Um, The problem was the 21% three-point shooting for Yale, a team that over the season, 37%, really could not shoot the ball well. LSU was only 23%, so both teams, but it seemed like when LSU needed it, they made it. Yale missed. Um, Yale star um, went one for 10. Uh, Mai Oni went one for 10. Um, And I may have butchered his name, but Oni, one for 10, two for 16 in the game. He only had five points, and he's like their big star. So LSU was able to, Bulldogs weren't able to get anything done, which for me was unfortunate because I really wanted the old Bulldogs to make another upset like they did to Baylor in 2016. We tried to tell you that. I know. We tried tried to to tell tell you. Tried to tell me. But some other things were pretty close day one. I don't know if you saw the Auburn-New Mexico State game. Mm -hmm. A hot Auburn team blew a lead. And New Mexico did everything in their power to say Auburn, we're going to still let you advance. Yeah, we don't yeah. want this. Yeah, multiple chances for New Mexico State to win the ball or win the ball game. And missed the wide open three pointer and nothing but air to lose the game. They had all the opportunities. Auburn yeah. fouled him with a, a second left, and he missed two of the free throws. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, he made. Yeah, yeah he missed made, two and missed made two, one. Missed two. Yeah, missed two. Missed went the last off one. the hand of Auburn, um, and then they got one more shot and missed it. Tough spot because you make all three and you pretty much have won that game. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless a Hail Mary, but that's not happening. So Auburn, lucky to win that game. Then they get a matchup against Kansas and completely destroy them. They are up 51-25 to at halftime. Yeah, and you see Kansas two nights before beat Northeastern, what, by 30? Yeah, they walloped them. And we're like, Kansas is going to go easy to the Sweet 16. They're back. They didn't win the Big 12, but they're back. They're going deep. They're making a deep run. But no, Auburn somehow comes out and just destroys Kansas. I mean, yeah, this is a hot Auburn team, too, that, you know, we got to remember, you know, beat 2C Tennessee in the SEC tournament in the championship game by more than 20. This is the same Auburn team that beat Tennessee in the regular season, caused them to lose their number one ranking. This is the same Auburn team that basically ensured that LSU won the SEC title instead of Tennessee. Like, that... With that one game, like, this Auburn team is very underrated at times, but now with their 10-game winning streak, like, they're really they're really putting the pedal to the metal. And now they play North Carolina next round, so that'll be a tough matchup. North Carolina is looking hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be pretty tough. Um, another great game was Seton Hall 10 and Wofford a 7 seed. Fletcher McGee set the NCAA career record for three-pointers made in a career. I mean, he set the NCAA record with he's like 500 and uh, I don't know. He had seven threes in that game against yep. Seton Hall. So he had, I don't know, around 510-ish threes um, in his entire career, NCAA record. That's pretty amazing. And Wofford got a pretty big win and unfortunately fell in a close battle with Kentucky in the next game. Yeah, yeah. where where Fletcher McGee missed 12 three-pointers in that game. All. 12 three-pointers that he yeah, took. All 12. The dude Ofer. got 
eight points on four of 17 shooting. Yeah. Like, I believe that was a record, too. So we have the good and the bad. <laughs> Sports Center, somebody had a tweet saying, well, here's the good and the bad. He set the record one game, great win for the program, and then you flat out can't make a three. But that, did, did you guys see um, why he chose Wofford over these other big um, D1 schools? Mm-hmm. I guess that Wofford would send him personalized cards in the mail for him to come there. So he just decided to go there. It's what they say, a little nice letter, handwritten note. Yeah. goes a long way. It's like that episode of The Office with the gift baskets. That's exactly like what the scenario is. Because Michael, if you all have ever seen the episode, Michael goes around, hands out gift baskets to try and get back clients. And while he doesn't win any back in that episode, it does show the power that a hand-giving gift gives. And I think that that's certainly a parallel in this scenario. And if you're big fans of The Office, you remember Michael wanted the turtles back. The chocolate <laughs> yeah. turtles. He, he said, give me the turtles. Where are the turtles? There was your life lesson with Clements. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but another storyline. So Fletcher McGee having a career day. How about Murray State and John Morant? against Marquette. Dismantled him, but a triple-double. He He's definitely showing why he should be the number two pick in the NBA draft. That jaw is going off. Yeah, but he went off the first game, and then he was pretty quiet the second game. When If you know how to guard him, if you take if you go over the screen instead of under it, leaving him no room to shoot. So against Marquette, jaw had 17 points, 16 assists, 11 boards. Against Florida State, where they got blown out 90-62, to 62, jaw still put up 28. But only had four assists and five boards. So, I mean, of course, you know, they weren't making, teammates weren't making shots, weren't able to get the ball. He was still, I mean, 28 points, still able to do it himself. But, I mean, that whole team was shut down on that great Florida Mm -hmm. State defense. Yeah, I mean, like, that, I think that game, in addition to what it showed about Florida State, you know, I think it showed that it reinforced the concept that in a team sport, one person can't carry the entire team. And while he was a great individual player in that game, at the end of the day, his team did fall short. Um, at the same time, though, that also showed, I think, the point that uh, Braxton and I were making last week was that Florida State can't be inconsistent. This is one of those games where they did really good. However, you know, I still think, um, and I'm wondering what Braxton still thinks on this, that they have been inconsistent over the course of the season and the tournament. Yeah. But you said one person can't carry a team. What about Zion? I mean, well, I mean, you can also say about, you know, Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett as well. You know, but it is, in a way, it is Zion's team. I mean, he's the big name because he's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Um, But, you know, I don't know. That's, you can't, one person can carry a team. I mean, this is John Morant's team. We're talking Murray State. He's the guy that, this was the matchup between him and, um, Forget the Marcus Howard, I think. Yeah, Marcus yeah. Howard with um, Marquette. Marquette. That was the big matchup. Jaw dominated. Well, because they dominated Marquette, but he got a triple double. You know, and but when you to talk Zion, I mean Zion. It is Zion's team, but you can't get it done without Cam Reddish. You can't get it done with R.J. Barrett. I mean yeah. R.J. Barrett and uh, Zion um, against North Dakota State combined for like fifty-one points. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they. You look at that first half. Duke and North Dakota State were even. I mean, of course, they turned on the on the on the put on the gas in the second half. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, you just it's very hard to say one person can carry a team in basketball. I mean, you look at you look at the NBA. Yeah, it's LeBron James team. It's LeBron James. But you have to have 
other people. Yeah, well, I mean, he ain't sitting pretty with that, but... Well, that's <laughs> a whole other story yeah. right there. Yeah, you need a few more key role players. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was surprised um, Murray State went out that bad in the second round. Yeah. It's sad to see them go, um, you know, especially with Jaw, just so that way he didn't get another chance to prove, to continually prove his talent. Yeah, because um, he was to, he was big name earlier in the year. He kind of fell off. No one really mm-hmm. knew who he was, and then he popped back up the first game of the tournament. But yeah, I mean, he proves he can shoot. Some team he'll go top five because teams need shooters now. You could look Trey Young, Steph Curry, all of them, all the shooters. Cavs so, definitely need some people. Yeah, Cavs need someone. Knicks, New York Knicks yeah. need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Um, another game that. In the round of 32 this weekend, I mean, just I, I couldn't believe when I saw the score early on. The defending champions, Villanova, blown out by Purdue. This is a really good Purdue team. Coach Matt Painter has done a really good job with this squad that he's got this year. But Villanova, coming out of the half, had like 24 points. 22 points, 24 points. And I'm thinking, whoa. I mean... Purdue had a 20, 25-point lead at halftime or something. But this is the defending champs, a really good team. But they just got dismantled. And Cam Edwards in that game had 42 points and one assist and six rebounds. 42 points. This is actually the third year that the defending national champion has been knocked out of the tournament in the second round. And so basically I think it's just some bad mojo going on because it happened to Villanova before. I mean, like, they're just – the data just speaks for itself on that. Um, you know, honestly, I would want to be Michigan right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think we all we all picked Purdue to win. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, I but mean, yeah, Purdue, Villanova. A strong team. They Very just didn't well look as strong. They just haven't been that strong this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Purdue's built well for a deep run. Mm-hmm. Well, other games continuing on, and and I got to tell you, this has been this has really been a really good weekend. I, March Madness is probably one of the best times of the year because you always, this is where people, you make or break careers, uh, players get on the spotlight and you're just like, I mean, who are these guys? Why we've never heard of them? And, and they're just dominant. A great game this weekend was UCF and Duke. And let me repeat that. A great game this weekend was UCF and Duke. And it came down to the final second. The final second. Yeah. Five, five bucks says if Duke wins, UCF is going to hang a, a national runner-up banner in their Probably. basketball arena. But, I mean, I think, um, you know, UCF center, um, obviously, you know, the tallest guy that we know of in college basketball. Seven, right now, six, seven, Taco yeah. Fall. Taco yeah. Bell. Okay. Not, <laughs> yeah. Um, one, one is way better than the other. I'll leave that up to y'all's judgment, but it's not Taco Bell. Um you know, I mean, the dude's 7'6". I mean, I'm pretty sure the game plan for UCF in most of the regular season was just throw the ball to him and then just let him dunk it because he literally could just stand there and just dunk it. Like, yeah, And we saw that during the game, too. Oh, yeah. He was just standing on the rim. If he hadn't fouled out, UCF honestly probably had a good chance to win with that whole rebound thing. He could have just put it back right in there. And for those that didn't watch, didn't get to see the end of the game, uh, really was, I mean, so Taco fouled out with his fifth foul. Um, with 14 seconds left in the game. Zion, an and one, he made the shot, of course, missed the free throw. It was rebounded, offensive rebound by R.J. Barrett. So now UCF's down by one. They call a timeout. B.J. Taylor comes up, going for a layup, going hard for the basket. 
I mean, contested, kind of throws it up there. Offensive rebound by Aubrey Dawkins, and he puts it right back up. You watch the replay, look it up on social media. He just hits it a little too much, a little too hard off the backboard. But it kind of circles the rim and falls out. And that was a heartbreaker for UCF. And I saw on Twitter there was a quote from Coach K that gave so much credit saying that UCF had every right to win that game. Um, and kind of a heartbreaker right there. Uh, there was a call earlier on that we talked about. Now, did Duke kind of get screwed on a call by the refs? Did it on, yes. a, on, a, on a rebound that um, was an offensive rebound for UCF, but a shot clock expired, but they let him get the shot off and count it. But you watch the replay, and did the ball just hit off the glass? Did it actually touch rim? They gave him the points. So if they didn't, if they took that off or didn't give him that, UCF, or UCF may have lost by three. Who knows how that would have affected things. Because yeah, that into, was in the final minute. It turns into a three-point game instead of a one-point game on the final possession where we're watching that game, and we're just shocked the ball doesn't go in. We are just shocked because that ball looked like it was going in easy. He just put it up too hard, and, you know, I think that I'm going to be part of maybe a minority on this. I do think the ball did touch the rim. I think it just touched more the back part, and I don't think it touched the front part. I understand that from different camera angles, it looked different. You can see the, the gap. Time, yeah, but that was on an overhead view. Yeah, it shows a gap. It doesn't show. It a shows gap. a gap. It shows the gap between the glass and the ball. But I still think that the ball maybe grazed the rim. So it, it didn't touch it, the rim. It was hard to see on the on the top angle as you're looking down over the ball. You can see there's space on the side. It's hard to tell. It really is because on the side it does look like maybe it grazed. But as one of our friends pointed out, you can see a shadow of the rim as it's going by. So there has to be a little bit of space there. And the rotation didn't change at all of the ball. Yeah, and the rotation didn't change. So that was a call that they maybe missed, but it didn't affect. I mean, look, Duke won the game. Um, but, yeah, go ahead, Braxton. What, what else you want to add? But, yeah, we saw that today or yesterday with um, Tennessee and Iowa. Tennessee mm-hmm. blocks a shot, a three-point shot, all ball it looks like, and the refs call a foul with a few seconds left, and then that gives Iowa a chance to tie the game, and then they go into overtime. Tennessee ultimately prevails, but that could have cost Tennessee as well. So that's mm-hmm. two calls today. And that, you know, good tie-in because we're going to get to that game. Iowa had an impressive game. Well, not impressive that they were down 25 at one point, but <laughs> impressive that they came back. Now, yes, that call aided them in, giving, in tying the game for them, but they were outscored 49-28 to at half, outscored Tennessee 43-22 to in the second half, Ultimately, lost by six in overtime. In that overtime, they were completely outmatched. Tennessee made every shot. I mean, they were hot. Tennessee was like, hey, we're not going out like this. We'll we'll let you back in the game, but yeah, see ya. It's not happening. Um, But really, just really some good basketball this weekend. Mm -hmm. Finally getting an overtime game. Um, Iowa playing their heart out, throwing up threes, going in like crazy. Uh, Same thing with UCF. Teams that, you know, you're going against, I mean, if you're Iowa, you're going against Admiral Schofield, who's just amazing for Tennessee. And if you are UCF, you're going against Zion Williamson, who's amazing for Duke. But to hang with these teams and not say, look, we may get down, but we're going to get back in this game with three-point shots. And that's what I love about this tournament. I love about three-point shots, uh, the great three-point shooting. And that's what basketball's come to today. It's, it's a three-point shooting game. And it, you, really, every position needs to be hitting threes. You know, your center mm-hmm. needs to be in threes. Your guards, of course, need to be making threes. 
But it, that's what the league's come to. And it's great to see teams like UCF kind of get on the map and say, look, we could have beat Duke. It came down to a missed layup. We could have beat Duke. And that, just on, while we're talking about Duke, I said earlier that Duke is not going to win at all. And I believe that because I think they're going to get to a matchup later where Duke will match up against a three-point shooting team. And that's what's going to be their downfall. Now, they did make some good threes tonight. I mean, Cam Reddish went off. You know, these guys are going to make threes. Zion hit some threes, clutch threes. Zion hit some threes. I'm, I'm going to pull up, just pull up these stats real quick from tonight. Duke hit 40% on threes, which is pretty impressive. I mean, normally they're not a good three-point shooting team. But I think down the road, if they're going to get, I mean, their next matchup is Virginia Tech. If, you know, that who knows where that game is. But I'm looking ahead. If both teams can go the way I hope it goes, Michigan State, Duke, I think Michigan State can beat Duke. Yes, you've got Zion, but Michigan State's got great three-point shooters. And that's where I think Duke's downfall is. It's going to be against three-point shooting. If they can't compete, sure, you can get to Zion all the time. But if you can block out Cam, you can block out R.J. Barrett, that's where I think Duke's going to really struggle. And that's why I don't think Duke's going to win all. They came so close to losing to a number nine UCF, a good number nine UCF. It's hard to defend against a 7-6 dude, though. That's but, true. I mean, that's a great bonus. I but, wish every team had a 7-6. I wish I, I was 7-6. That's, that's a whole other story. That's okay. true. But we'll talk about this later in the week when we do our preview for the upcoming week of basketball. But, yeah, they play Virginia Tech. They're going to get a week to prepare – or half a week to prepare for that. Yeah, so they should be good. Friday, so but I'm sure they're looking forward to Michigan State already. They're not really – they're going to focus on Virginia Tech, but not as much as Michigan State. But, yeah, give Coach K, give those guys another week. Give Zion another week to get healthy and stuff. I yeah. Duke can easily win. I've got them to win it all. I'm still going with them. So you know, I'm gonna put, kind of piggyback off you, Matt, before I get into my uh, next point. You know, that's also why I picked um, Texas Tech and Duke to face off in my Final Four, and to tech and for Texas Tech to win it is because Texas Tech is a great all-around team. They're great at shooting the three ball. They're just great at shooting in general. They're very well built. They played once in the regular season already. Um, and you know, you always notice that with uh, Duke, you know, whenever they win, it takes one of their players. Um, at least in the bigger games, to go off from three, um, as was evidenced tonight. Um, and that's why I think that Texas Tech could really shut them down on that. Because Texas Tech is not only great defensively, but they're also great offensively. But as well, speaking of defensive games, um, and a number, another number one seed versus a number nine seed, the Virginia-Oklahoma game as well. Um, I think that, you know, even though OU lost, um, it does prove that defensive games are not dead. And, I mean, admittedly, like, there was bad shooting on both teams. But at the end of the day, you know, and it came down to, like, what, a uh, 12-point deficit. Like, I think it still proves, um, 63-51, to 51, like, I still think it proves that defense can still be alive in games. And I think that it also proves that, you know, even though, like, OU had, you know, 90 against Ole Miss and only 51 this time. And so I think that that does prove the difference that a defense makes. Well, yeah, the game that Oklahoma and Virginia played, 63-51 Virginia, I mean, it is Virginia's game. Virginia is a great defensive team. They held the Sooners to 36% shooting as Virginia was 48% shooting. Um, OU beat Virginia on three-point percentage. But Virginia had three more steals, one less turnover. I mean, this was a team that, you know, had more rebounds than the Sooners. This was a team, you know, this was Virginia's game. OU got trapped in playing Virginia's game. 
as we've seen OU play all year, you know, up-tempo, you know, pass it out. They were really contained by a good Virginia defense that was really taking the Sooners out of any offensive tempo that they might want to try to establish. You know, Sooners held pretty much the whole game. It was not ever a blowout. Yeah. But the Sooners could never really get over the hump of getting within 10 in the second half and really trying to make that next step because they were off tempo or they took a bad shot. But that was because of a good Virginia defense. Well, I was going to say as well that Virginia defense, if you noticed it, um, whenever someone on the wing um, had the ball, um, the nearest person came over and double teamed them. They basically just rotated double teams. And so I think that that's something that really affected the pace uh, more than anything else of OU and slowing down the up-tempo offense was the fact that essentially every time you get the ball, unless you're going down um, to the basket, that you're essentially going to be double teamed. And in that instance, it turns from how do I shoot the ball to how do I find the guy that doesn't have the double team. Yeah, Virginia had a great defense. They only allowed OU 51 points, even though they had OU had 50 against Ole Miss. But in March Madness, I feel like it's just whoever has the hot hand is going to win. Defense isn't going to matter in March Madness until you get to the final four games. But like right now, it just, if you have a hot hand, because OU had plenty of open looks. They just couldn't convert. Christian Doolittle had an off night. Everyone, everyone at OU besides Brady Manick did. Like, if OU hits those shots, I mean, mm-hmm. they would have won that game. Virginia wasn't hitting. OU wasn't hitting. But Both teams went really yeah. cold at yeah. one point. I mean, I didn't feel like Virginia had com- – they had control, but it wasn't as prevalent as they had all season. Yeah. Like, OU had a chance to get in the game the whole time. They just couldn't make their shots. All right, and one more game this weekend that was a pretty good win. Uh, Texas Tech, mm-hmm. 78 50, over Buffalo 58. Um, but – this, I look at these stats and go, wow, this is a pretty killer for Buffalo. 11 for 22 on free throws. Wow. 50%. Now, Man, I could make more three free throws. You lose by 20. I'll but... take a bet on that. <laughs> okay, so I think sometime this week we got to have a little free throw shooting contest. We'll live stream it on our Twitter account. We'll have both of you. You want to do that? Do yeah, little, why not? A little free throw contest? I will, I will cook you. Hey, so put a comment on, you know, on Twitter. We'll make a poll. Let's make a little, yeah, we'll put a little poll out there. We'll make a little wager, friendly wager, and see between these two. Um, Should we put pics of our body types? It's not kind of that, not kind of that. We're not playing one-on-one, just free throws? I'll smoke you one-on-one, too. I'll still, no, I'll still beat you in one-on-one, man. <laughs> okay. And I can't wait to get this okay. on Twitter Live. I'll be narrating We're going all one-on-one, all right? All right, sounds this good. Week. Hey, handshake right here. All right. I know you didn't see it. That they just shook hands. We'll post a picture of a handshake, just a generic eye stock one on Twitter. So, <laughs> so but speaking of this Tech game, they've beaten both. They've won both their games by twenty points. About so, is this everyone's like dark horse to make a deep, deep run into the um, Final Four and whatever? I'm still going with it. They can win it all because they've proven no matter what in conference play. Um, you know, in non-conference play as well, even in the tournament, they can shut down teams. And that's why I'm still going Texas Tech because they have proven that they're probably one of the most dominant teams in there. And the three seed, in my opinion, is not reflective of how they actually are because, like I said on the last podcast, in conference play in the Big 12, everyone essentially just beat up on each other. And then so I don't think that that is really indicative of how Texas Tech plays in non-conference, 
against teams that aren't in the Big 12. Yeah, but this three seed is because they, what, won one of their last five, then they lose second round to the worst team in the Big 12 in okay, the yeah, tournament? So, as I mean, we discussed last time, West Virginia just comes alive for the tournament because they somehow come out of the mountains and see that it's the Big 12 tournament, and they're like, oh, <laughs> we got to do well. <laughs> We're sorry. We do, we do not mean to offend anybody who might be a mountaineer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this tech team is—they've been good all year, um, winning share of the Big Twelve. But I, many many of us were hesitant to pick them past the Sweet Sixteen or past the thirty-two because of what they did towards the end of the year. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, I don't think the—I don't think those people have have seen how Texas Tech played over their entire resume. Sure, they didn't play well at the end of the year. However, their resume over the entire year is stellar. Yeah, but no opinion. one no one really pays attention to what you get did in the beginning of the year compared to the end. Oh well, yeah, and I mean I get that. You know, I also get that no one really pays attention to anything in Lubbock cuz let's be real here it's Lubbock. <laughs> and I can say that because I used to live there. And but at I, the same time like Texas Tech though is a good team. Yeah, like, just no one knows cuz it's the recency bias. You see that with a bunch of teams, OU, Oregon, Tech, Oh yeah, it's everyone. Yeah, I mean, at the, like you know, I know I know they're not going to get as much you know news coverage as Duke or North Carolina. You know, when they face off, you know, God knows how many times in the regular season in the tournament, and Zion is injured or Zion is not injured, or you know, Virginia, you know, getting a one seed. You know, even though three, uh, even though two other ACC teams already got a one seed, but even then, Texas Tech is still a good team. Like, Texas Tech, I think, has a shot. I mean, once you reach the Final Four, it's just about playing the games, in my opinion. After that, I don't think, like, you should really bet. But I think Texas Tech can make it to the Final Four and go from there. So that's a lot of March Madness that has taken place over over this last weekend. And so, um, you know, we'll get more into this later in the week. It'll be great to talk more about matchups because... I'm really already looking forward to these Sweet 16 games and brackets, mm-hmm. and there'll be a lot to talk about. Um, but as always, Braxton, what, what do we got coming on now? What what On this day. That's right. What happened on this day? Well, a young goat, uh, a goat was born on this day. The Peyton Manning, the sheriff, the goat. The owner of however many God knows Papa John's franchises in Denver. Hey, Nationwide's on his side, And Nationwide, right? it's on his side. Cause he's the I goat. thought it was Alan Jackson now for Nationwide. Did they change it? But it's I think like Brad Paisley, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is the goat of Nationwide. Yeah, I mean, better he's the pizza, goat of everything. Better pizza, better goats. Papa Payton's. Hey, I like it. <laughs> hey, I like go. it. Hi, right, Jacob. What do you got? All right. On this day in 1958, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, some would also call him the goat. Um, a football. Not a football. Touchdown! Rock and roll. (laughs) He traded in his music career to join the army and enlist and go to Germany. He eventually made it all the way up to sergeant before he discharged honorably in 1960. But probably at the time, our nation's most famous person went and joined the army. Have you guys ever been to Graceland? It, it is amazing. It is I'm a not, cool place. I'm not, it's a cool place. Get out there sometime. Mm-hmm. You get to see his gold-covered um, airplane or his private jet. It's very opulent. Very, very. Extremely. What a great vocab word, opulent. Mm-hmm. Op- opulent. 
I hope you can glean some insights from Graceland when you go. Okay, all right. And on mine, uh, I'm kicking it back to the good old uh, 1500s, 1545. What were you doing then, right? German Parliament opens in Worms. I had to say this because <laughs> Worms. All right, so that was my on this day. Look that one up. And uh, as we wrap this up, we've got um, our ever-so-famous segment. Burger, or who would you share a burger and brat with? <laughs> right. <laughs> Burgers and brats. That's, that's, you know, well, well, before that, sorry, I was alerted by our good friend Jacob Clements right here. We forgot breaking news today that happened in the NFL. So, some decent tight end retired? I think so. You know, I mean, he might have won a couple Super Bowls here and there, might have spiked the ball occasionally. I'm surprised he didn't spike the Lombardi trophy. Yep, good old Gronk. Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, has retired from the NFL. So what will the Patriots do? Oh, my. What will they do? I mean, finally. Pay the refs more money now that they have cap space? Yeah, maybe Tom Brady will get some time at tight end. Just maybe I do can't run. He can't catch. He can't catch. You saw him <laughs> the Super Bowl. That's true. He can't. Yeah. He's hey, old. Blake Bell is looking for a job. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Blake Bell is on the market. Yeah, but Gronk had 521 receptions, 7,861 yards, 79 touchdowns, and three Super Bowls. And then a five-times Pro Bowler. There you go. It's a good so, career right there. Good career. Yeah. Yeah. Make the money and go out and have fun. Party every night, Gronk. That's what he'll do. I bet, he'll he'll be, I bet he's broke within the next three years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, his, um, his younger brother is already on Shark Tank. It's going to be interesting to see if Grunt goes on Shark Tank now. With his new invention called How Not to Deflate a Ball. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Okay, so burgers and brats. Who would you share a burger and brat with? That is the real question. So I, I'll start it. I'll go ahead. You may have seen the news lately. Um, the big incident with Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo um, getting angry at freshman Aaron Henry kind of yelling at him, kind of getting in his face, kind of had to be separated a little bit by one of the players. And Scott uh, Scott Van Pelt did a really good thing on on, e on his show, on ESPN. Um, kind of had this thing about, you know, how we've kind of gotten soft and, uh, you know, all this stuff, you know, as, as a nation or whatever and, and in sports. And I, I really, this is something that's like, if you look at sports, it, we have gotten soft. We really have gotten so bad that you can't have a player, you can't have a coach getting mad at a player, holding him accountable, you know, because a player plays for his team, holding him accountable, he messed up, he's trying to get in his head, and that's just who Tom Izzo is. And you have all these players defending Tom Izzo saying, that's how coach is. This is a guy who's won, yeah, taking all these teams deep in tournaments. This is a, a Hall of Fame coach right here. So I share Bergen brought with Tom Izzo and say, you're doing a great job, Tom. I want to be a coach like you one day because you really know what you're doing. You're old school, and you know how to win. That's success. And you got to be hard on players. You can't get by being soft. Oh, yeah, we're all just going to party, and you know, we're all just going to hang out and just sit around and talk about how you know every game could be better. No, you're going to get to work. You're going to practice. You're going to work hard. And he even kind of joked around, I think, in a press conference and commented and said, yeah, we all went in the locker room and held hands or something and <laughs> talked. To he was he even he took it in jest. But I wonder um, if they Tom sing Kumbaya so. too. Probably so. You know, that's the way everything needs to work now, apparently. So, Tom Izzo, let's go to lunch. Burger and brat on me. Okay. You know what? I was initially conflicted on who to share my burger and brat with. Because originally, you know, I was thinking St. Patrick. Because the dude, you know, obviously is a great holiday. That was a week ago. Yeah. 
but he's still celebrating, right? Year oh, round, everybody. You always have to celebrate, but you know what? That's not who I'm going to share my burger and brat with. I'm going to share my burger and brat with y'all because share it with St. Patrick, man. <laughs> I don't want it. No, hear me out. Y'all have done an amazing job, and I love the opportunity to come on here every so often. You know, he's just kissing it. up right now because he knows <laughs> his contract is expired. Right I'm not kissing up. I'm actually being genuine, y'all. Y'all have made an <laughs> excellent you. podcast. Thank you. And I'm very proud of y'all. And I'm sharing my burger and brought with y'all this week. Thank you. And because of you listeners who are out there, we know you're all across our nation, our world. We know you're listening. Burgers and brats. We are at, I don't know how many episodes we're at. What are we at? 18 now. 18 now. I wouldn't have thought we'd ever make it this far. Because I just never would have thought. But this is, you're right. Thank you for this. We really do appreciate you. You can follow us on Burgers and Brats because we always want that. Always want listens. Uh, we always want guests, you know, guest pe- people to come on and just talk sports and life with us. So you can always hit us up there and reach out to us on Twitter. Braxton, who do you have, my friend? Who are you sharing Burger and Brat with? Well, I originally had Hello Kitty <laughs> because she's getting a movie made about her. And this is how we end the show. <laughs> Okay, so we go from a head cuts to sharing a burger bro with us, and now you're going to bring in an animal, uh, an animated cat. Oh I'm my going, Hello gosh. Kitty, man. Oh, come oh. on. She's finally getting a movie. Okay. <laughs> oh, after all these years. Okay, no worry about us being soft. But, okay, at least, yeah. at least, <laughs> Hello Kitty in here. Now. At least yeah. go with, the, with an animated dog, like Doug from Up. Come on. At Are least that serious? dog was a short We're about to have our biggest debate in the show in the final minutes of this show talking about Doug and Hello Kitty. Are you serious? Hello Kitty has done more for everyone in this world than Doug the dog. <laughs> See, he has no words because he knows it's true. No, I'm just laughing because Braxton is saying the weirdest crap right now because Doug has clearly brought joy to everyone. Sure, I don't think that's the weirdest stuff of the night. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I mean, well, who doesn't like a talking dog? I wish all dogs could talk. Okay. That's so, true. Fellas, it's been real. It's been a good. But, but I want to. I want to change my burger and brat. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who's this? You guys. <laughs> oh, wow. A coffee cat. Uh, we're gonna share it with Clements because this is his last show. We're kicking him off. It's not my last show. <laughs> the, the kissing up didn't work. Your contract's oh still gone. Right, we'll be uh, talking about the contract renewal. Maybe <laughs> today contract's up. We may renew it, but oh, less on. salary. Sorry. Because we're losing money. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, did I sit down there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please we're not sponsor losing money because we need sponsors, right? If you want to sponsor us too, we will happy to give out shout outs. Um, I do like um, food. Uh, if you haven't heard by now, a candy's always a great option. Or you can pay me in cash too. Check about great. burgers and brats. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> always go for a burger, brat, and a couple mil, right? Okay. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, it has been a great show, fellas. Special edition of March Madness Review. And then we'll talk about the preview for the upcoming week coming up later. So I hope maybe Clements will be back. But I hope so too. <laughs> thanks for listening. For Matt and I, follow us on Twitter at Burgers and Brats. And follow us on SoundCloud at Burgers and Brats.